Fishing for a show aimed at the outdoor enthusiast? Tune in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, Saturday at 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. Eastern on Rural Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 147, and on the Sirius XM app. Welcome in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, brought to you by Bass Pro Shops. If you love fishing, hunting, and the great outdoors and want to make it even better, you're in the right place with host Rob Keck. Your adventure starts right here. Good morning and welcome, and thanks for tuning in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, brought to you by Bass Pro Shops, where truly your adventure starts right here. I'm Rob Keck, your host, and we are back once again in Salt Lake City, where we recorded this show from the Western Hunting and Conservation Expo, the place where hunting and conservation come together in the West. And uh, this major event was hosted by both the Mule Deer Foundation and Sportsmen for Fish and Wildlife. And I've got to mention, Cabela's was a founding sponsor and continues to sponsor uh, on this huge event. And it's a place where a lot of the pros come. They can't afford to miss being at this wonderful event. And during the expo, I've had the privilege of visiting with two longtime friends, Al Morris and John Bear. And I can tell you, and you'll hear it in their voices, both avid and accomplished, passionate predator hunters. And of course, this is prime time for predator uh, hunting, predator calling with furs in prime, certainly in prime, prime condition. And if you've never tried calling in a coyote, a bobcat, a red or a gray fox, let me tell you something, friends. You need to give it a try. In fact, uh, just last week, I was in the office of uh, the executive director of the Pennsylvania Game Commission, Brian Burhans. He had two recently tanned red fox hides. He said it was the first time I'd ever shot a red fox that was coming into a call with night vision scope. And he said it was just absolutely unbelievable. And it is exciting. It's challenging. It's rewarding. And the opportunities, they abound throughout the country. And certainly a great way to fill in the time in the winter months uh, between deer seasons and turkey seasons and you know it's something you can do year-round in most places and with predator populations at all-time highs in many parts of the country i can tell you there's plenty of critters to focus on and hunt you know the seasons uh, for most they're long liberal bag limits uh, uh, or with some predators no season or limit at all and many times landowners whose private property may be closed during deer turkey season they may hang out the welcome sign when it comes to hunting coyotes, foxes, bobcats, and others. i got to warn you, predator hunting can be addictive, and uh, you're going to find this a new experience and passion you're going to want to do. And Al Morris, again, he's been with us before, four-time world uh, coyote-calling champion, host of the Fox Pros and Fur Takers. He's going to tell us about uh, uh, where it's airing next, and uh, Al shows an award-winning Show having captured uh, the Outdoor Channel's Golden Moose Award and in, uh, in the Predator category. Well, my good friend John Bear, we've hunted together. In fact, we hunted mountain goats together uh, just this last fall. Yes, we did. And uh, he's uh, <laughs> he's a regular uh, Predator hunting partner of Al's. He's an accomplished big game hunter as well. And John's also uh, the most sought after wildlife conservation auctioneer in the country, having raised hundreds of millions of dollars. For conservation through wildlife conservation auctions, also the vice president of Sportsman for Fish and Wildlife. Both Al and John, they're going to share their knowledge, their techniques, their skill on hunting and calling predators. And during the final segment of the show, I'm going to let Al tell the story about guiding and calling in the first bull elk of Pennsylvania's first ever archery elk hunt in modern times. So without delay, let's meet our guests, Al Morris, John Bear. Gentlemen, welcome back to Outdoor World. Thanks for having us, man. Yeah, thanks for having us, Rob. Oh, man. I'll tell you what, I feel like I am in the presence of greatness with a four-time <laughs> world champion and certainly the most sought-after uh, conservation auctioneer in the world. John, you and I have had a chance to work on stage to raise big bucks uh, for wildlife. And Rob, I would trade a couple world championships to to raise the money that you two you don't take enough credit you're up there on stage with john every time we do this and and uh, i'm just amazed at what you get the way you guys play off on each other and the amount of money that you guys generate for wildlife it's pretty incredible and i'm i'm in <laughs> well, awe i'm well, in awe of you guys well thank you well, look al you're on fire about predator hunting uh why are you what 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 is it about predator hunting it just trips your trip you know when i learned to use that diaphragm called uh 
34 or 5 years ago. Um, the first, besides calling an elk, the second animal I ever called in was nine coyotes, seven pups and two adults. It was September. They were hunting as a pack. When I called those coyotes into 10 yards, and they all, it, it scared the crap out of me, but at the same time, it was exhilarating, and it's, it's, it's possessed me ever since that I can take a, a diaphragm call and, and a fox pro and call in coyotes. And, and once you do it, like you said, the addictive nature of it, once you do it, you want to repeat it, and then you want to do it again. And John was telling me one time about some coyotes. He knew where some coyotes were. I said, if you know where some coyotes are, we're going to go call them. And he goes, Al, these are pretty smart coyotes. I said, I don't care, John. We're going to go call them in. And now I got John on the diaphragm. You know, John was a great predator caller before I met him. But he's really good now. And got him on the diaphragms, got him using the Fox Pros. And, and uh, we've had a lot of fun together. We got the dogs. So we do it year-round now. Predator hunting, for me, I used to just be a hide hunter. You know how it is. The sure. trappers, I think our base root came from our grandpas, our dads that taught us waste not, want not. Yeah. I think that's the way a bunch of us in that 40, 50, 60-year-old categories, uh, our daddy, your daddy raised you that way too, John. Yeah, and, my uh, my dad got me into predator hunting when I was about 12 years old. I grew up on a sheep ranch, and I'm telling you, coyotes were public enemy number one, <laughs> and we... Uh, we hunted them hard, and uh, you know, after Dad got me uh, got me out there and showed me what it was like to call in a coyote and watch those things come running in, it was. I don't know. I think it just kind of gets a hold of you, and that's well, just what you do. Well, you know, it's much like hunting turkeys or calling in elk. Instead of you know, once you hit that call, instead of you being the hunter, you become the hunt Ed. He's oh, yeah. coming. He's coming. This guy. He's he's looking for that rabbit or other little thing that's been squealing there in the bushes and uh the, the first time i went with you in wyoming uh when we hunted turkeys in wyoming yeah. together it was an awesome experience to see you work your magic with that you had that fan i'll never forget you'd painted it for the merriam's turkeys you had that white fan yeah. and and you you really were a student of the game too you you're a great caller in your own right i know well, that for a fact well you're kind we just have a minute here before we take our first break but you know John mentioned about his dad mentoring him. How did, tell me how you got into it, Al. You know, my dad milked 60 head of Holstein cows every day of my life till we were 10. Then he sold the cows. And uh, I turned 18, graduated high school. We started hunting together. And, and we, he, my dad knew I had a gift with this old diaphragm to call elk. And, and so we started elk hunting together. And uh, we, it just, it's a passion that he fueled. I, and, and I loved it. And, we learn together and when you learn with your dad how to do something and it's something special uh you create a memory for a lifetime and and take your kids take your wives take everybody out hunting you don't know who you might have that lifelong effect on yeah so true so true look that's going to take us to our first break we return going to continue our conversation with big al and john this and a whole lot more coming right up i'm rob keck your host here in bass pro shops outdoor world Sirius XM's Rural Radio is your guide to the agricultural markets. Where expert analysts and traders join our discussion live. Your information. Open up the farm and the challenges we face. You can learn how to do it for yourself. Rural Radio, your gateway to the rural lifestyle. The latest information about hunting, fishing, and more. Rural Radio is the leader in Western sports. We talk about the latest in Western sports. Professional rodeo, bull riding. Sirius XM's Rural Radio. 147. Or listen on your phone when you get out of your car with the Sirius XM app. Hey everybody, I'm Easton Corbin, and I grew up in the smallest county in the state of Florida, and that's a long ways from Nashville, let alone elk country. But I've been hunting all my life, and I've always dreamed of chasing elk. When I came out west and heard my first bugle, I was hooked. I just had to roll with it. Now I want to make sure that dream will be here for tomorrow's hunters. If you feel the same way, make a difference and join the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation by going to www.rmef.org. Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World on Rural Radio, Sirius XM. And welcome back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World right here uh, in Salt Lake City. And if uh, you've just tuned in, we're visiting with four-time world coyote calling champion Al Morris and Fox Pro Pro Staffer, my good friend, John Bear. Al, if someone wanted to start out hunting predators, and let's say coyotes, where should they begin? You know, everybody hunts, most guys hunt deer. And that rifle that you hunt deer with is perfect. You don't need to go 
out and immediately buy a Predator-specific rifle. And then we all started, I started with hand calls. We didn't have Fox Pros when I started, but now... You can get on YouTube, and that's where we're at now, Rob. Uh, uh, Fox Pro Hunting TV is on Roku, Amazon Prime, YouTube. Um, we're putting every Thursday, we're putting new links up so they can click on the subscribe button, and they can watch us. You can blow the next 12 hours watching us on YouTube. All our previous episodes of Fur Takers, the 12 years we were on the Outdoor Channel, are all up there on YouTube now. Wow. So people have a great resource. I'm amazed how kids, they can YouTube stuff, watch it, and then... You can that learning curve goes way up. I mean, they, I'm amazed how young kids are really good at, and it's because all this information and knowledge is right there for them. You can watch me and John go to uh, Alberta a couple times. We've done the last few years, and and it's amazing. We've had some great uh, trips, some great call-ins. John's been there through it all. John, how about you? What would you suggest to somebody wanting to get started? Well, I mean, uh, Al, you know, mentioned it. A lot of times guys will, you know, call us up or hit us up on social media. You know, what call do I need? What uh, what gun do I need? You don't got to go out and spend a bunch of money. You just don't need to do it. You can uh, you can get a hand call. You can get a diaphragm. Anything that you can make sound like something squealing and dying. Of course, we're more than happy to sell you one of these nice Fox Pro callers if that's the route you feel like you need to go. But, uh, you know, go out, start uh, looking at the ground, find you some tracks, find you some sign, uh, do a little scouting, find you an area with some coyotes, and uh, sit down and start making noise. And, uh, you know, most yeah, of us. It's a lot of fun. Most of us deer hunt, turkey hunt, quail hunt, pheasant hunt, we see coyotes. And that's everybody says, how do you find a coyote to hunt? Well,. Where you do those things, hunt those coyotes because they're eating the deer, the elk, the turkeys. You know, that study in PA, 80% of the scat of those uh, coyotes in PA had deer DNA. You know, so they're eating our deer. They're eating our elk. They're eating, and that's, you know, Utah, we have the $50 bounty, so the coyotes in Utah are a little little (laughs) tough. But if you're a good coyote caller in Utah, you can go anywhere in this country and kill coyotes, and we've proved it. So people have this fear. I think there's this stigma out there that you, the guys from the east don't know to come west. There's all this public land. And us western guys, when we go east, we're not used to knocking on doors to get that access. But wherever, I don't care whether it's 400 acres your uncle owns or it's this 4 million acres that's BLM, don't be afraid. Get out there. Check out your territory. Chances are there's a coyote living there. Yeah. Well, there's there's no question that the opportunities just, just abound. And uh you know, in getting started, I'll never forget, this was some years back as a Wayne Carlton. We were at Vermeo Park Ranch. We'd just gotten the guy we were guiding, his second Miriam's turkey, and we were just breaking snow drifts. We were hunting these turkeys right at snow line because as the snow was melting, the turkeys were in there picking that first green stuff. But we had been talking about calling bears, and, uh, you know, neither one of us had done it before. You know, we've heard guys talk about it. Well, anyway, as we were coming up, I mean, this real muddy mountain road, what happens but a chocolate phase black bear comes up, lumbers around there on the road, and then up into the oak brush and the rocks. And Wayne and I looked at each other. We had our diaphragms in our mouth, said, let's go try it. And uh, sure enough, we went up there. We saw the tracks in the mud, and we just started squealing on those turkey calls. And, uh, I mean, it wasn't just moments. We could hear brush breaking we heard rocks rolling and all of a sudden that bear stands up and he's not 50 yards away and when we stopped calling he he kept coming or stopped coming we started calling again and he comes in he's at 20 yards and Wayne and I looked at each other and saying man this is it this is the coolest and you know here was a situation where we'd never done it and I guess I want to play off of what you're saying is that you got to get out there and just try it. Trial and error a lot of times. I mean, we didn't know what we were doing, but, man, it, it didn't take long for us to figure out what we needed to do, and there we were. You can watch YouTube all you want, but until you get out and actually put boots on the leather yeah. on the dirt yeah. and do it, that's the best teacher. You know, Rob, the first time I ever blew the call, my dad let me do the call, and I called a coyote into three feet. I never saw him. He ran up behind me in the brush, and my dad's like, why didn't you shoot one? He ran right up behind me. I'd never seen him. And I'm here to tell you, you want to, you want to see a kid shaking with excitement when I saw those tracks in the mud at big three old, feet. Yeah. Big old eyeballs. Yeah. Yeah. No, but it changed you forever, didn't it? Absolutely. it? It'll change you. What kind of equipment does somebody need to get started? 
You know, the basic stuff for a predator calling is a good chair. I like that four inch, gets you, you know, any of the seats that get you four inches off the ground, uh, gets, keeps you off the mud, the, you know, the spiky things yeah, in the sure. desert that'll, and the, and the snow. And then a good set of sticks. I mean, I shoot a bog pod, um, any of the good bipods that are out there, um, you know, you need to be stable. The, mm-hmm. the more stable you are, the better Absolutely. you'll shoot. And then you just need that hand call. You just need something that'll make the noise. And you can, you know, you can be the prey in distress. You can do the rabbits, the birds, stuff like that. And then any rifle, you know. Yeah, any any deer gun. I shot my first coyote with a Remington ADL 7mm Remington Magnum because that was what I had. had. And, uh, you know, it got the job done. Yeah, for it sure. The, it got the job done. Well, if you're giving some thoughts to or giving some pointers to somebody starting out, would you tell them to start out hunting in daylight or after dark? I love both. I really do. I'm a day caller primarily. So, you know, I like to I like to watch the action in the daylight. But like when I was in Indiana hunting the Eastern last year, the, I hunted a lot of day stands and did not see a coyote except for that last stand just before dark. And then all night long, those coyotes seemed to be a whole lot easier to call in Mm -hmm. than they were during the day. So I know there are territories in this United States that the night calling is better than the day calling. But out here in the West, out in a lot of the Midwest, Kansas, Oklahoma, that day calling is hard to beat. And then as soon as you get that Midwest to the East, I think the night calling is better. So, and, and, and boy, you get into that thermal and night vision stuff, it can get real expensive real quick. So it's, yeah, but I tell you that the day calling, I love first thing in the morning, you know, it's just, I love it. That's my favorite stand. The first two or three stands, uh, there's some, yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> but I tell you what, there's something at, about calling at night with your night vision and your thermal that you know you kind of feel like the boogeyman you're out there sneaking around and uh you know it's pure darkness and it's uh, it's a lot of fun yeah well, look, it's a lot we're going to take our next break and uh, we're going to continue our discussion of calling and hunting predators with al and john and i'm rob kick host right here in bass pro shops outdoor world thanks for joining us and we will be right back We are the young minds that will shape tomorrow's world. But today, the world is in your hands. What's your vision for the future? Since 1937, Ducks Unlimited has been the world leader in wetlands and waterfowl conservation. And we've had the same vision for the future for more than 75 years. A future with clean water, abundant wildlife, plenty of places to enjoy nature, and wetlands, sufficient to fill the skies with waterfowl today tomorrow and forever sure there's still a whole lot of work to be done but we know we can turn things around together because we are the next generation of du conservationists and with a little help from you our future is looking really bright ducks unlimited working for conservation for generations to come a public service from ducks unlimited Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World on Rural Radio, Sirius XM. And welcome back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, and thanks for joining us. And uh, our guests are the Fox Pros, Al Morris, John Bear. And, uh, boy, what a lively discussion we've been having. We were talking about uh, preferences of hunting uh, during daylight or after dark. And uh, let's just say back on the equipment question, how much money would one have to spend to get started? Just with basic stuff. You know, if you just buy a hand call, you're only looking at 15, 20 bucks for that hand call. We make electronic callers from that, that dead bones at $99, and we're making a caller now, the new X Wave, which has all the bells and whistles. It is the coolest caller ever. It's $699. That comes with the battery, the, the lithium battery pack and the charger. And, uh, you know, you can invest as much or as little as you can to get it done. And we, we've got Patriots at 150, uh, Infernos at 199. So you don't have to break the bank to get a good electronic game caller that you can get 100, 200 yards from, turn on and off volume up and down. That being said, you know, there's so many ways to call in a coyote from just the prey distress you can do with your mouth calls or a, or a diaphragm up to the vocalizations and actually breaking down the 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 vocal vocals of a coyote so 
you know, you can, and, and you can buy that Ruger American rifle for $400 and put a good scope on it and get that Horner DMO bumping through it. And you, I mean, for a few hundred dollars, you can, you can be a predator. You're, you're welcome. You're well, yeah, you can, I mean, you can go from not having anything to having what you need for a few hundred dollars. Chances are somebody's got a shotgun. So chances are somebody's got a deer rifle. Right. So I'm saying for 20 bucks, you can buy a hand call. And go you to can kill predators. Go to work. You're, yeah. you're a wolfer. You're welcome yep. to the club. Good. Well, I'm going to talk about guns here in just a second, but I want to ask you, John, is there a time of year that you prefer to hunt predators over another? Oh, man. Yeah. Whenever I have time is the time <laughs> I like to. And that's, the, you know, there is uh, every time, every part of the year is, is different. We use different strategies. We use different uh, techniques, you know, for each season. I, yeah. I would have to say that my favorite is probably when most people are not even thinking about coyotes and that would be the summer i love hunting summer coyotes because they're crazy they're denned up they're psychotic vocal yeah we can take our dogs out and get just violent responses from them you go out you take a diaphragm you go you know you do a little scouting at night you hear them howling you sneak out there first thing in the morning and you throw out a a howl and they think they've got a, a coyote or you know something intruding into their territory close to their den they will lose their mind and to me that is the funnest funnest time of the year wow so but it's also the time of the year when their population of adult the population of adult coyotes is at its lowest because they've gone through the winter they've been in utah they've been trapped gunned called you know run over on the highway so Uh there's fewer coyotes out there so you definitely have to scout more but i'm here to tell you when you find a pair of coyotes that think they're going to stake claim on a dan and you get in there and mess with that territory you're going to see things you couldn't even imagine yeah awesome I, i can't even can't even think what that would be like well you mentioned shotgun mentioned rifle do you take both a shotgun and rifle on a coyote hunt i do i carry both to every stand how do you decide, uh, you know, with that coyote just barreling down on you, I mean, where where do you decide, <laughs> I'm going to use the rifle on him or I'm going to wait till well, he gets in here closer and pick up my shotgun? Uh, Rob, I'll tell you this, you don't get them all. You just don't. Some of them will run you over and you're close enough to slap them and you can't get either gun up fast enough. I call enough. them drive-bys. Yeah, but, uh, you know, if the coyote's coming in hard, I, you know, I'll have my shotgun laying across my knees or laying right next to me where I can get on it. And you can kind of tell if it's tight cover and real close, you know, it might be a shotgun setup. If it's big open country and the nearest bush is 300 yards away, I got my gun up, you know, my rifle up on my shoulder. Right, so what, it just kind of depends on the territory. What shotgun load are you using then when you're using that That Hornady 3-inch BB coyote load. You're using BBs. Yeah, it's the 3-inch BB. They're going to come out with a new triple B coming. But that Hornady coyote load, it's got that wad that just keeps them tight out to it. I mean, I killed a coyote at 47 steps three days ago with that load, and it it was tatered right there. Wow. I kind of like the good old-fashioned four bucks that the government trappers have been using for years. <laughs> it's, it's worked for me. I'm confident in it. That's kind of what I shoot. Yeah, you know? yeah. How about rifles, calibers? I'm, I'm really a fan of the new 6mm Creedmoor, huh? John, I make John shoot it. That old Ruger American 6mm Creedmoor is hard to beat. It's just it's a 243, you know, ballistic cousin to the 243. Um, you can't go wrong with a 223. 22250 um I, I have a hard time getting away from my 22250 i have also have a 243 that i love uh, but i've i've killed enough coyotes with my 22250 that i almost think it could do it without me now so <laughs> i think that i think that caliber has been a staple in the predator world for a long time and i think that one's pretty hard to beat well if you had your choice then of a bullet weight what would it be out of that 250, I'm shooting the 50 grain Superformance. It's going 4,000 foot a second. That's hold. If you do an inch and a half high at 100, that's hold on hair to 330, 340 on a coyote. And a coyote's a six inch target. So, I mean, 50 might be a little light out of a 22,250, but that's what that Superformance comes in. That's what I shoot. Well, kind of, I like the uh, 55 grains. They shoot really good out of both my 250s, and they've, uh-huh. they, uh, they hit them pretty hard, but having said that, I've seen guys shoot coyotes with a uh, with a thirty out six, and that coyote get up and pack that lead a long way. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't think you know if what you have is a deer gun, 
you're not overgunned. I like it. Ever. You know, yeah. I really I mean, like my two. The 87 grain is what I'm shooting out of my 243 and the 6 millimeter Creedmoor. That's what, what I'm shooting out of my 87 grain VMAX. Too. What kind of glass are you putting on top? You know, I, I, we've gone to Trigicon on, and the, the Trigicon's really making some great scopes that are affordable. Any good glass, I mean, there is no bad glass anymore. I think these scope companies are, I mean, I'm really impressed with every scope I've looked through from the SIGs to the. The you know vortex Leopold. Um, I'm shooting Tridge. I'm, a, what, I'm kind of a Zeiss fan, but yeah. I think one thing with your glass that you need to be careful of, and, and this has cost me a few coyotes, is uh, when you sit down on stand. You know, when I'm out on the bench sighting my gun, and I probably got it cranked up to 20. When I sit down on stand, I don't want that thing over five or six because uh-huh. if that coyote pops up and sure. you got to shoot him at 50 yards and you're on 20. You got a problem. All you got's a big blurry mess, and you, sometimes you only got a half second to make that decision. So sit down on your stand, whatever scope you're using, turn that baby down to about five or six power. Look, we're going to take our next break. When we come back, I want you to talk to us about how you equip yourself with night vision equipment, lights, glass, all that kind of stuff. So when we return, we're going to talk just a little bit about that, continue our conversation with Al and John. You're listening uh, to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. This is Rob Keck, and we will be right back. Today's hunters are facing some real challenges. Nationally, we lose 6,000 acres of upland habitat every day. Hunter numbers are not keeping pace with population growth. Each of these puts our hunting lifestyle in danger. With your help, the National Wild Turkey Federation is tackling these challenges head-on with its Save the Habitat, Save the Hunt initiative. Our volunteers have committed to increase wild turkey populations and protect our hunting heritage by improving 4 million acres of habitat, creating 1.5 million new hunters and opening half a million new acres to public hunting. Join the NWTF today to help make these bold goals a reality. Visit nwtf.org for more information and to find out how you can help protect our way of life. Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World on Rural Radio, Sirius XM. And welcome back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World right here on Rural Radio. And our guests are the best in the business. Calling and hunting coyotes, Big Al Mars, four-time world coyote calling champion, and John Bear. I tell you what, he is a pro, pro team member, uh, Fox Pro, and uh, let me tell you, there's no better auctioneer that has raised more money for wildlife <laughs> conservation than John Bear. He's the best. I'll tell you what, right before the break, we were talking, I wanted to talk about uh, getting set up with night vision equipment, lighting, etc. Talk to me about that. I want to hunt. Now, I'm, I'm hunting these eastern coyotes. We're going to go back to just what you were saying. Seems like they're responding better after dark than before. How do we set up? Pennsylvania is lights only, so you have to get a good red light. And those guys educated me. Uh, there's some good white lights out there that don't uh, seem to burn the, the, you know, those coyotes as bad. But at the end of the day, red seems to be king back east. The red, Any red-colored light... Um, you just need a good light. You need a, a good mounted gun light is a, a plus. Um, there's some good ones out there. There's some great lights coming out. Uh, Fox Pro's coming out with a series of lights. And uh, you want those. I, I was in Texas, and those guys do a lot of night hunting down there in Texas. And I had a thermal, and the guide had a light. And I was seeing animals he didn't see, and then he was seeing animals I didn't see. So it proved to me that I think a good combination of both is probably your most effective uh, night setup. Uh-huh. I'm gonna, Rob, I'm going to back you up just a second. I'm going to say the most important thing you can do if you want to start night hunting with lights or thermal or anything is you better check the laws because they are different in every county across Absolutely. this whole country. They are. Absolutely. Uh, here in Utah, some, some uh, counties, you can't shoot. Okay, at night. That means yeah. that means you don't hunt at night. Mm-hmm. Some regulate the use of artificial light. That regulates whether or not we can use a red light or any light. That pretty much. So if we can shoot, but you can't use artificial light, that tells us we have to use thermal, which means you're looking into a computer that detects heat signature. Now that's a whole other 
ball game and the price goes up quite a bit when you start talking about thermals but i'm here to tell you thermals can get real expensive any of this night hunting can get really expensive but it doesn't have to you can get on any website you can get on cabela's website look at night lights predator hunting lights and they will bring up you know for a couple hundred bucks you can get like al said a really good gun mounted light so it it can get expensive quick, but it doesn't have to. You can buy lights. You can go out and give it a try and see if that's something you want to do. Great, great stuff. I mean, absolutely. I want everybody listening. Look, we're talking about doing all this within the confines of the law and the state, the county, the local municipality of where you're hunting. You cannot, and we that, cannot. Uh, and I'm telling you, Rob, the there law. is nothing more regulated in this country than night hunting. So please yep. check with your sheriff, check with your county, and make sure what you're doing is legal. Because if you're legal, you got nothing to worry about. If you're Absolutely. banding the law and you're out running around at night, they'll catch you. Absolutely. Yeah. Al, how do you select a calling position? You know, setup's key. The, you know, you can base the whole year of hunting on that event the coyotes breed on February 15th and have their pups. And that kind of determines what we use for calls. But your setup, how you set yourself up is you've done it a thousand times for turkeys. You know if you get to that point, that edge, you're going to call that gobbler around that point. You, you know, and it's just from years of doing it. And, and it's learning how to set yourself up for success. And it's hard. If, if you watch, elevation is key. I like to get elevated. I like to be where I can see and that the predator has a hard time coming in and, uh, and seeing my position. So I like to have back cover. I like to have uh, elevation. I like to, if I'm hunting just a, a food plot, I like to pick the point that sticks out in that food plot so I can see everything in that food plot. When I was down there with Vandy Collins in Alabama, the wind was blowing horrendous, and we'd been hunting these cattle pastures, and we were not being successful, and Vandy says, they're in the trees. So we went into the thickest, nastiest stuff, and there's a 100 by 100 food plot that kind of had a bump out because of a big old hardwood tree. Yeah. We went and sat under that hardwood tree on the bump out. I could see the whole thing and started, and I said, take me to more of these kind of places. And so just finding... You know, it's, it's, it's something that you just have to learn in your area what's going to be more effective for you to set up on. But to set yourself up for su- success is the key to the whole operation. The more you can see, the more elevation you have, the more, the, the more advantage you have over those predators coming to the call. They're hunting you. They're coming to the caller. They're coming to your hand call. They're going to look for your face. If you're blowing it, they're looking for your face. If you've got a caller out there at 30 yards, they're looking for that caller at 30 yards. And, uh, you need to be. You need to have positioned yourself where you can see the predators come, and you have the advantage. John, talk to me about camouflage. Ooh, I tell you what. I grew up. My old man did not own camouflage. I think until I bought him some a few years <laughs> ago. His camouflage was downwind and sit still. Uh huh. So blue jeans and a plaid uh, shirt. Yep. And and he, if he could see you move on stand when you got done calling. You were gonna, you were gonna have a discussion, and it wasn't gonna be a nice one. You flat out held still. That was that was his camouflage. I think now that we, uh, I mean, we have all these amazing camouflage patterns, all these camo systems. If you have something that will help break up your outline, help hide your movement a little bit, when you go sit down against a rock or against a tree, something that's not gonna shine or. Uh, you know, give away your location. I think that's what you're looking for. I wear solid colored pants and a camo shirt and a and a vest usually. And uh, you wear you know, a face mask. I guess it depends on uh, on what I'm. If I'm hunting a contest, you know, then I'm absolutely going all out everything because one coyote, the difference of one coyote coming in another ten yards can be the difference of winning or losing or, or where you play. So if I'm in a contest, yes. If I'm just out hunting with my dogs or uh, night hunting, uh, I don't always wear a face mask. But, you know, I, I think it can be a benefit, especially where the sun, if the sun's hitting you in the face, you're going to shine like a light bulb. So, yeah, wear a face mask. With these glasses, I've got a face. If you see me face painted up, you know I'm getting serious. <laughs> <laughs> How about decoys, Al? You know, decoys are, are awesome. They, with coyotes, it's a 25, 25, 50% proposition. And when I say that, 50% of the coyotes that come up and see that spinning, whirling decoy will stop. They may continue, but they may turn and leave. You don't know, but they'll stop as soon as they see it. They don't know what it is. 25% of the coyotes will try to eat it, which is the coolest part of having a decoy out there. And then 25%, when they see that thing, they'll turn and leave. 
So 75% of it can be a, with coyotes. Now, foxes and bobcats, it's 100%. They want to eat that little tortling thing. And then I've really had success with crow decoys. I've had success with fawn decoys. I, um, other coyote decoys, everybody's kind of talking about those. When another coyote sees another coyote, they usually 90%, 99% of the time, they will stop and stare at that coyote. They don't know who it is. They don't know what – they don't – the coyotes are so territorial that they can be it, it can be an advantage but it can also it can hurt you too takes us to our next break when we return going to continue our educational visit on hunting predators right here in bass pro shops outdoor world this is rob keck and we will be right back in 1912 theodore roosevelt said there could be no greater issue than that of conservation in this country more than a century later this statement has never been more meaningful. The Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership promotes Roosevelt's commitment to the sporting life by guaranteeing that all Americans have quality places to hunt and fish. Visit trcp.org to learn more and take action. I'm Larry Weissen, life member of the Dallas Safari Club, and I'd like to invite you to become a member of the world's finest outdoor conservation organization whose mission revolves around wildlife conservation, education, and hunter advocacy. DSC is a worldwide organization comprised of like-minded outdoor people who have granted more than $4 million in the last two years in support of projects involved in the scientific-based management of wildlife and habitat. To learn more and become a member, please go to biggame.org. Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World on Rural Radio, Sirius XM. And we are back, and thanks for tuning in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. And if you've just tuned in, we're privileged to have with us two good hunting buddies of mine who are the best when it comes to fooling critters, whether it's coyotes, foxes, bobcats, elk, turkeys, and more. Al Morris, host of Fox Pro's Fur Takers, and his partner John Bear, a bona fide coyote crusher. All right, guys, I want to talk a little bit more about how you set up. If you're going to use a decoy, how far out do you place that thing? We're going to, take, we're going to play the odds, even though they know they may work against us. If you're going to use a decoy, tell us about placing that. I'm decoy. always 30 to 50 yards downwind of my collar. Do you want it in shotgun range? Or? I want it always in shotgun range because that's where they're going to end up. And they're usually, coyotes have an innate behavior to do one thing. And that's get downwind. And so if you're downwind of that collar, chances are. And I've noticed that if, if I'm 30, 40, 50 yards, um, John, I always want him that next 75 to 100 downwind of me there. So we're spread out. So if any coyotes, if that coyote's a paranoid coyote and he's circling at 150, he's right in John's lap when he gets there. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, downwind uh, is always important, you know, with the you mentioned the uh, the decoy. I think if you don't put your decoy wherever, if you're using electronic call and you put that decoy more than a few feet from the electronic call, the coyote's probably not going to notice the decoy because he's he's coming to the sound. Yeah, he's coming to the sound. Well, our electronic calls better than air operated, hand operated calls. John, John, I use both. I'm, well, I will. Hit, how do you, how do you tell know. me the sequence then that you would end up with? I go in, I sit down, and probably 90% of my stands, I start with a diaphragm call, whether I'm whining a little bit, just to, I don't want to, I don't ever like to go in and sound super aggressive. I always want to be like, I always kind of give a, a, a example of my grandpa was the toughest sounding guy on the planet, and nobody ever wanted to mess with him. My cousin Joey was the guy that it didn't matter what he was saying, you wanted to go find him and slap him. I want to be that coyote. I want to make that sound. I don't want to scare anything away sounding too aggressive. I want to let them know I'm there, you know, like I'm there to interrupt their day a little bit. And I'd usually do that with the diaphragm call. Then I might move into, depending on the time of the year, I might move into uh, some distress sounds, some pup distress or some rabbit. But usually I'm going to start off with, uh, with just kind of an easy going howl. Maybe some wines. Hey, I'm over here. What are you going to do about it? And they're so territorial. Single lone howls are the number one response you get. Single non-aggressive howls are the number one thing you'll get responses from. Can you make one for us? Absolutely. I want to hear it. It's just that, uh, is anybody out there? (laughs) 
this, and, and I don't know what I'm saying. We just pretend to know. And whether they answer me or not, the next is, uh, some people call it a female invitation, but I see males doing it. It's just a greeting howl. And it's the exact same howl, just cut in half. It's just a couple barks, take it up, and drop it off the top. Why do I do that? It's just I get more response. And then no matter whether they answer that or not, the next howl I go to is a challenge howl. And this is like, I'm saying you're ugly, and I'm going to kick your butt. And it's a... <laughs> It's just that um, I'm in your turf. Uh, you're, you think this is your territory. I think I'm big enough and bad enough to come kick your butt and take it from you. And you just you play out these scenarios. We try to create a scenario every time, don't we, John? Yes, we do. We wanna, you want to go out there and, you know, there's a coyote there. You kind of set the stage there. Then you move yeah. into some, some distress. And, oh, well, there's a coyote out there now, and he's stealing my dinner. Or there's a coyote out there now, and he's got the neighbor's kids he's whipping up on. And, you know, you're kind of trying to to think through your mind what you're what you're telling them i don't know if I, I don't speak coyote all i know is what gets them to respond you know we and uh but I'm, yeah i'm that's, that way with turkeys I mean, yeah. somebody yeah. says what do they mean i said i don't know but i can tell you it works you that's take right. the temperature yeah I, I call it taking their temperature when you, you do that with elk you do it with the turkeys <clears> and you dang sure do it with the coyotes and and you know they're going to eat they're going to defend their territory. They're going to breed, and they're going to grow those pups. That gives me four cylinders to fire on, and if I can find that cylinder that they're firing on, you know how it is. You've got that certain hand cluck, that certain that yelp that they seem to really like, that higher pitch, lower pitch, the more rasp. You find that you find that call, and you take advantage of it. We were sitting over big pasture in Alberta a few years ago, and we could see three or four coyotes. And we tried every sound on the planet. The only thing that would get one of those, and they weren't that far away. Did they you see you? Uh, well, I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. A couple of them died, so I don't think so. <laughs> but the only thing that would get those things to start moving was vol squeaks. They came 400 yards at a walk, the first one to vol squeaks. The smallest animal available on our vol playlist. Okay. Can you make that sound? No, well, with the with the Fox Pro, I can, but it's, <laughs> I, I, you, I, everybody's got on, on back games. You know, and that, and that 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 brought that coyote four hundred yards. So we sat there and played, and we could still see coyotes out there after we shot one. So we tried everything else, everything else. Ten minutes later, we hit a sound called "Pup Distress Three on the Fox Pro, which I think is probably responsible for as many coyote deaths on this planet as any, any sound. other sound. And this coyote come rolling over the hill on a dead run. Who knows? You know, and that was the sound that broke that one loose. So they don't all respond the same. You know, I'll say the word you never say is never. Just like and always, absolutely. Yeah. You just don't know what's going to trip them. But don't, I would say this, I, you know, some people go out there and they'll turn on Jackrabbit and just let it sing. I cannot remember the last time I sat on a stand and played one sound. Yeah. I mean, we change it up. I play. Now, is there times I, you know, spook coyotes from making all those different, yeah, I know there is. Sure there is. Yeah. But I also know that there's times I see coyotes out there that aren't responding, and when I change sounds, they're right in your lap. These animals are dynamic, and the more dynamic sound you can produce, the more inflection, the more you can do with a hand call in conjunction with a good uh, electronic call, you're going to call more critters. Yeah. The mouth call you're using, describe it here very quickly uh, to our listeners. It's just a triple read prophylactic latex diaphragm call. Um, I can call elk with it. I can call turkeys with it. I can call coyotes with it. Get yourself a good triple reed elk call, turn it upside down, down, and you can make coyote sounds. There yeah. you go. And there's a lot of companies out there making coyote-specific. We make a good coyote-specific, the gun series diaphragms. Um, and then we got uh, prey distress diaphragms, too, with cuts and different things, just like you would for turkeys. And you can find out more about that where? GoFoxPro.com. GoFoxPro.com. Well, that's going to take us to our final break of the show. Uh, we're going to switch gears a little bit. Uh, Al, I want you to talk about... Uh, calling in that first elk taken in Pennsylvania's first archery season. It was an amazing experience. And uh, uh, just throw it open. I know there's a lot of things. We haven't even talked about calling bobcats, calling foxes, that kind of stuff. But we're going to fill that last segment. So, folks, you're listening to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. This is Rob Keck, and we will be right back. Words cannot describe this land we call the Ozarks. You can see it in their faces. 
hear it in their stories. Feel it in the natural beauty. And now, you can experience the Ozarks of yesterday with the ancient Ozarks Natural History Museum at Top of the Rock. A place of inspiration and appreciation. An opportunity to honor those who came before us and celebrate this land we are blessed to call home. to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World on Rural Radio, Sirius XM. And welcome back to our final segment of Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World right here on Rural Radio. And we've been having a very lively, educational, inspiring, and informative visit with Al Morris, the host of, uh, well, the Gold Moose award-winning TV show, Fur Takers, and uh, along with Fox Pro's pro team member, conservation leader, Vice President of Sportsman for Fish and Wildlife, John Bear. Al, last fall you were in Pennsylvania guiding and calling elk during the state's first archery season of modern times. Tell us about it. You know, being from the West, uh, you, I guess we have this vision of these, these elk in, in Pennsylvania as being some kind of tame animal. <laughs> Was I wrong, Rob? They are wild and woolly, and they're big. It's the biggest bulls I've I called in a 439-inch bull. There was no Sunday hunting, so we hunted all day Saturday. The first day I got there, we hunted all day, saw two tremendous bulls, almost got it done the very first morning of the first day of archery season. Then there was no Sunday hunting, which they're changing that right law now. But Sunday, I went out and called in a 439-inch bull to 55 yards. I've got it on my phone. I can show it. It's amazing. And it, these are wild elk in these wood lots of, of Pennsylvania. And the what the Pennsylvania Game and Fish Commission has done in Pennsylvania truly is inspiring. With all their food plots, all their work, they determined that food was a big factor for these elk. So they started making the food for them. Just like we do in the western United States, we try to promote these places that these wild animals uh, reside. Pennsylvania has done a great job. And I got the phone call. Will you come call for this guy? We we wanted to film it for for Fox Pro Hunting TV, and and uh, then the Pennsylvania Game Commission, Tyler Hawk, wanted to film it. So and they said, yeah, please have Al come in. And I got to meet uh, Jim Lickfield that uh, drew the tag from uh, Buffalo, New York. A uh, great guy. This guy asked him to turn his tag back and give it to a a, a veteran, a soldier. Somebody that he had, he just, and they said, you can't do it. This is your tag. He said, well, I'm not, I'm not going to beg you to give it away. But that tells you a little about the guy that wow. drew the tag. Yeah, really good. And uh, I, I really wanted to make his, his uh, elk hunt special. But I had a learning curve. You know, I, I call the cows. And you know it, too. If you call the hens in, that gobbler is going to come. When you call the cows in, you're going to get those bulls to come. Those cows are not very social in PA. They don't care. <laughs> they don't care if there's another cow over there in that other food plot. They really don't. They're, they stick to their own little groups. And and so I, I started calling to the bulls. And sure enough, that 370-some-inch uh, giant that we called in and killed – he came in, It was, and I killed him with coyotes calls. He came in, and there was another group of guys that had hiked the two and a half miles into these food plots. you got to walk in there. You can't. There's no road. Yeah. It's gated. And these other guys were in there wanting to see the elk, so they were blowing their elk calls, and I'm in there. We're trying to hunt. It's all public land. They had a right to be there, too, and we're like, oh, man, I wish you'd slow down on the calling. <laughs> this bull shuts down. He got to 80 yards and just turns and walks away. He's like, I don't like this situation. All of a sudden, a coyote howls. I grabbed that diaphragm. I started howling to the coyotes. I got a whole group of coyotes to start howling. I was howling. The bull bugles. It's like he totally it reset him. It was like, oh, well, there must not be people out there if there's coyotes are out. In the, you know, that elk knew that those coyotes wouldn't be around other people. And then I called him into 80 yards. That bull kind of hung up again. He was a big old mature bull. I grabbed that elk decoy, and I walked Jim right to him 40 yards. Get out of here. I grabbed Tyler Hawk. I grabbed Jim. It's all on video. I can't lie, Rob. It's The, the Pennsylvania Game Commission is going to show the video. I grabbed them both, took that butthead decoy, and walked him into 40 yards of that bull elk, and he made a perfect shot. And we had the first archery elk killed in modern times. It truly is a success story. 
of hunting is conservation, putting money, uh, putting our money where our mouth is. We put money on the ground to help grow these elk in Pennsylvania. And to be part of that, Rob, was just an awesome experience. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Uh, I just brought you a copy of the Pennsylvania Game Commission's Game News. You're featured in there along with the hunter and uh, tells a great story. And, uh, you know, those are the kind of stories we got to continue to tell to the general public. I mean, it's not just hunters that benefit by the conservation work that we do. Uh, John, as you well know, you've been involved. Uh, you know, your work here in, in conservation has been legendary, and uh, it's improved the life for all people, the quality of life. I mean, who doesn't enjoy riding down a country road and seeing a herd of elk or antelope or, you know, hearing turkeys gobble? Uh, we're just here in the last minute. How about just a final word, John? You know, Rob, I appreciate the opportunity to be on your show with you, man. You're a dear friend. I, I love what we have been able to accomplish together here. Uh, you know, I just tell everybody out there we have wildlife because we hunt wildlife. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be a hunter to enjoy wildlife, but I hope everybody in this country would realize that wildlife is what it is today, and those success stories are out there turkeys that we have here in utah are because of hunters the bighorn sheep that we have here in utah are because of hunters this great story that al just told us about the pennsylvania elk hunt that's because of hunters we have wildlife because we hunt wildlife yeah for sure al i'm just honored to be uh, a small spoke in that wheel of conservation being a hunter the tradition that was handed down to us if we could hand that down and and if we could get one message out to the non-hunter there's a lot of people that will decide our futures the people that are non-hunters that we're great people and if you get to know us we're, we're salt of the earth and and we love the same things they do we really love these animals i got no problem killing a coyote but i love them at the same time and it's hard to convey that to a non-hunter or one of these anti-hunters that uh, that think we're just uh, these cruel redneck you know, roll the window down, shoot whatever moves, and at the end of the day, we're we're sportsmen, men and women, and uh, we love what we do, and we put our money where our mouth is. Thanks, guys. Thanks for being the role models that you are. Thanks for sharing the passion that you have because it's infectious. There's a lot of people out there hunting today because of what you've done to impact their lives. Well, folks, that's going to wrap it up here today uh, on our show at Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. On behalf of Bass Pro Shops, your adventure always starts right here. Thanks for answering the call. That call to conservation, preserving our rich hunting, fishing, and trapping heritage. We'll see you next week. This has been Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, talking all things outdoors, brought to you by Bass Pro Shops, your outdoor leader. Join us next Saturday and every Saturday for more special guests and unique locations. 